Good morning. Good morning. It is good to be here. It is good to be alive. It is good to see the beauty of the snow falling down. So if you are uh, not here with us, we know that you're home being safe. And um, we pray that you will um, be able to worship well. Just a couple of announcements as we begin. Um, Women's Lunch Bunch will meet on January 25th at 1130 up at the Mitaquilla Mexican Restaurant, which is located up at the airport. Next Sunday, January 23rd, we, Lord willing, we are planning on having a cover dish dinner following the service. So um, we do look forward to that. Also, um, we have postponed the Lord's Supper, the celebration of the Lord's Supper until next week, the 23rd as well. So Lord willing, we'll be able to gather for that. Um, and then in the past, we have su- supported uh, Women's Choice Crisis Pregnancy Center in Charleston, is a Christian-based um, pregnancy uh, center there. And so for the next two weeks, the 23rd and the 30th, we will collect for them. We'll have uh, receptacles in the uh, uh, entryway and also here by the, the door going back down the back stairs where you can place um, a check if you or cash. If you write a check, please write it out to um, uh, the church and we will gather all that together. Um, this is the baby bottle drive that we've done in the past. We're just uh, kind of eliminating the baby bottle part of it uh, this year. Are there any other announcements uh, before we go forward? Okay. All right. And next Sunday will be the Pearson's last Sunday. So uh, please be in prayer for them also. All right, our call to worship is found there in your bulletin and comes from Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness and come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Let us pray. Sovereign King of creation, we are here in this place at your call. We have come here with gladness and thanksgiving so that we may worship you. How good it is to be reminded that you are good and faithful and that we can find peace in your forever enduring love. Fill us with the glorious truth that you are here with us and strengthen us to honor you in all things. Hear and teach us through the prayer of our Lord, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and give us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's take the opportunity now to sing from the scriptures, take Bible songs and turn to number 122. Dependence upon God for salvation. Our salvation is an act of God that he gives to us through his free grace. 
and we are utterly dependent upon him. So let us stand and sing Bible song 122, Dependence on God for Salvation. Please be seated. Uh, We are tempted to forget God when we consider our salvation. We think that we can be righteous enough on our own. And to do this, we must compromise God's righteousness and lower his standards. And he calls this sin. Let's take some time today and confess together our sinfulness and our need for a savior. Merciful God. In your gracious presence, we confess our sin. Although Christ is among us as our peace, we are a people divided against ourselves as we cling to the values of a broken world. The profit and pleasures we pursue lay waste the land and pollute the seas. The fears and jealousies that we harbor set neighbor against neighbor and nation against nation. We abuse your good gifts of imagination, freedom of intellect and reason, and have turned them into bonds of oppression. Lord, have mercy upon us. Heal and forgive us. Set us free to serve you in the world as agents of your reconciling love in Jesus Christ. Amen. 
hear these words of assurance. You were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished upon us. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 2, beginning in verse 24. This is Daniel's interpretation of the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. A dream he couldn't remember, and he had asked for his, his court officials to both remember it for him and interpret it for him. And Daniel interprets that dream. Hear the word of the Lord. Then Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon, and said to him, Do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king, and I will interpret his dream for him. Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I have found a man among the exiles from Judah who can tell the king what his dream means. The king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, Are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you lay on your bed are these. As you were lying there, O king, your mind turned to things to come, and, a reveal, and the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than other living men, but so that you, O king, may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. You looked, O king, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron, and partly of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were broken to pieces at the same time and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace, but the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream, and now we will interpret it to the king. You, O king, are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he has placed mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. Wherever they live, he has made you ruler over them. You are that head of gold. After you, another kingdom will rise inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. Finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, for iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things to pieces, so it will crush and break all the others. Just as you saw that the feet and the toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom. Yet it will have some of the strength of iron in it, even as you saw iron mixed with clay. As the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture and will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end. 
but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true and the interpretation is trustworthy. The Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you are able to reveal this mystery. The grass withers, the flowers fail, but the word of our Lord does endure forever. So this is the, typically the time in our service where we take up our tithes and offerings. We will um, have the plates here at the front of the uh, of the sanctuary as we uh, as we did during the time of pandemic. Or um, you can mail your your tithes and offerings in to the church office, and we will get them to the treasurer. Um, so let us stand and sing our doxology hymn book five forty six. Glory be to the Father. giver of gifts, we come before you thankful for all that you have given and seeking to worship you through our tithes and our offerings. May you be honored by these gifts and please use them according to your great glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Please remain standing, take the hymn book and turn to hymn number 368. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We are reminded that Jesus is the solid rock on which we stand. So let us remain standing and sing, My Hope is Built on Nothing Less.
Amen. Please be seated. Our confession question or catechism question today is question 183. It is found there in your bulletin. For whom should we pray? We should pray for the entire church of Christ on earth, for civil authorities and ministers, for ourselves and fellow believers, and yes, for our enemies. We should pray for all humans who are alive and those who are going to live in the future. But we should not pray for the dead or for those who are known to have sinned the sin that leads to death. As we approach our time of prayer today, I do have a couple of updates. I'd like to say thank you to everybody who prayed for myself and for my family as um, we dealt with COVID over the last couple of weeks. Um, Everybody is well, everybody's on the mend. And so we do thank you for the prayers. I'd also like to say thank you to the elders for stepping up last week and helping out Um, when I could not be here. Um, Other than a a dry cough and still getting tired occasionally, I I feel fine. I know Michelle's probably doing a little better than that even. So um, thanks to everybody. And Gregory avoided it. And uh, so thanks to everybody who prayed. Um, Please be in prayer. Courtney Vance has surgery this week to remove, Tuesday, to remove a uh, a cyst. So please be in prayer for her that that goes well. Be in prayer for Missy Vance. She was diagnosed with stage one uh, breast cancer. And so she goes soon this week, I believe, Thursday, to talk to doctors about treatments and things like that. So please be in prayer for the Vances, specifically Courtney and Missy. Um, We have been praying for a while for um, Natalie Wade. Um, She has had to have some extra chemotherapy and... um, also some removal of fluid from her uh, lungs and her body. So please be in prayer for Natalie as she battles her cancer. Um, Jasmine is feeling well, doing well with her pregnancy. So we praise God for that. Are there any other prayer requests? As Zachary uh, called us Thursday night, he got his quick little two-minute call from boot camp on Thursday night. So yeah, so hopefully... Um, he said it'd be a couple weeks, but I don't know. We may get to talk to him today. I'm not sure, but please be in prayer for Zachary. Thankfully, Mitchell is there and Mitchell has found him. So um, uh, Mitchell's keeping an eye on him for us as much as he can. Mitchell is actually quarantined right now with COVID also. So any other prayer requests? Eric Turner. Is he doing all right? Yes. Okay. Our new kindergarten teacher finally started this past week. All right. Definitely. All right. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our God and Father above, we are reminded that you are the triune God who is seated upon your throne, who is sovereign over all of creation and that you hold all things in your hand. You are sovereign over history. You are sovereign over what happens to your church. You are the eternal, the infinite, the unchangeable God who is seated upon his throne, who cares for his people and who looks after them. 
We thank you today, Lord, for the times that you have answered prayer. We think specifically today of Seneca Trail Christian Academy and the, the new kindergarten teacher that was able to start within the last couple of weeks. And we thank you for providing her. We do continue to pray for Seneca Trail and for all the schools in Greenbrier County as they are looking for teachers, as they are dealing with um, pandemic and as they are um, uh, seeking to, uh, to, to educate our next generation of students in our county. We do ask that you would protect the teachers, that you would lift them up, and that you would um, help them to teach truth as you have revealed it in your creation. We lift up to you today, Natalie Wade, and ask that you would continue to be with the doctors, continue to be with her family, uh, continue to lift her up as uh, she battles her cancer. And we ask that you would provide healing, that you would provide um, uh, your comfort and peace in the midst of her very difficult situation. We pray for Margie and ask that you would uh, help her as she continued to heal. We thank you that her uh, difficulties uh, with her throat are, are, are somewhat benign. And we ask that as you continue to um, walk with her and, and heal her up after her fall, that you would give uh, the doctors and nurses uh, uh, grace as they um, seek her next treatment. We lift up Courtney and Missy Vance, and we ask for Courtney's surgery on Tuesday. We ask for safe travel. We ask that you would guide the hands of the doctors and that you would help her to recover well and that through this, she would feel your comfort, she would feel your strength, and she would know that she is loved by you and by your people. We pray for Missy and, and for her family also, for Chris and Emily and Ethan, and ask that you would Give them wisdom, guidance, and peace as they uh, talk to doctors, as they make decisions moving forward with her treatments. We thank you that, that they have found this uh, what seems to be early, and we ask that you would help her to have a quick recovery and that whatever um, treatment they pursue, that you would work your healing through that. We pray for Eric and for all those who have suffered and are suffering with COVID. We I thank you personally for a quick recovery for me and my family. And I, I pray that you would um, give Eric the same and that you would protect the rest of his family also as they um, deal with this uh, virus that is still going around. We thank you that it seems to be weakening as it mutates. And we ask for a time where uh, the divisions around this will be healed, that truth will be found, and that we... In this country, can find a sense of camaraderie once again that honors and glorifies you and shows that each of us love each other because we are created in the image of God. Lord, you have revealed yourself to us in this storm. We ask that you would bring safety to those who have to be out in it. We think of those who are here today. We think of uh, those who are out um, plowing and, and keeping the roads clear, as clear as they can. And we pray for any first responders that have to be out in the midst of this storm. We pray that you would uh, keep them safe as well. Lord, you are God who has not only revealed yourself in nature, but you have revealed yourself in your word. And so as we turn to that word, we ask that you would give us clarity, that you would sanctify us, and that you would show us that we are your blessed people. We pray all of this knowing that you hear, knowing that you answer. 
We pray all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Revelation. We are going to begin a several-month journey through the book of Revelation. Of course, we're going to begin at the beginning, the beginning of the end, I guess it is, as we look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. Um, I do want to say I have not chosen Revelation because of anything specifically happening in our world or in our news beyond how it directly affects Jesus' promise that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Sinclair Ferguson tells us that as we look at the book of Revelation, we should understand that it is the movie version of that promise. It is God showing how in light of the powers and the principalities and the, 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 the powers of the air that God is always there, sovereign over history, sovereign over the people of history, and sovereign over his church. Like Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz, we are having the curtain pulled back for us. But unlike Dorothy, we are encouraged to look behind the curtain to see the infinite, eternal, and unchangeable God in charge of all that comes upon his church. And we are to do that and be blessed. So with that in mind, let us turn to Revelation chapter 1. Today we are going to read verses 1 through 6. Um, We will... Uh, contain most of our discussion today to the first three verses, but um, we will read the first um, six verses. Hear the word of the Lord. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to a servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the sevenfold spirit before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. God and Father above, you promise that those who read, hear, and obey your word will be blessed. As we begin this study of the book of Revelation, Many of us come to this study with fear and worry surrounding some of the images found in this prophecy. Help us to see your hand and sovereign control over the horrors of the present and the future and to find the blessing and grace and peace that you promise to those who overcome. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today, as we open this uh open our look into the book of Revelation, we are going to seek today to answer the question, what is the book of Revelation. We're going to see that in a threefold answer. It is first a a prophecy, it is a letter, and it is a blessing. But before we answer what is the book of Revelation, we do have some background issues that we need to discuss. As we do see from today's passage, this is a message from God about Jesus Christ given through messengers, including angels and the apostle John, to the servants of God. 
As God has done throughout the history of his people, he uses the Holy Spirit guided messengers to record and reveal his will to his people. And that means that the book of Revelation is scripture. And as Paul said in third and third Timothy, second Timothy three, as Paul said in second Timothy three, the book of Revelation is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that God's people can be completely equipped for all of the good works that he has prepared for us to do. And we must keep this in mind as we study the book of Revelation, that it is given to us to equip us and so that we may be complete as God's people. Now, Revelation was written near the end of the first century by the Apostle John. And the book of Revelations has revelation. It's only a single revelation. The book of Revelation has caused I don't know, a lot of problems in the church over especially the last couple centuries. And the problems center around how we interpret the book of Revelation. How do we look at the imagery present in the book of Revelation and how do we interpret it? And the various answers to this question fall into three main categories, past, present, and future. Those who interpret the book of Revelation with the past in mind see most of the prophecies, at least the ones up until somewhere in chapter 19 or 20, as having already been fulfilled. Some see these prophecies fulfilled in the fall of Jerusalem in 70 AD. Um, Those that take this stance see the book as written in the mid first century rather than the last part of the first century. Some see them fulfilled in the fall of Rome. Um, several hundred years after the writing of the book of Revelation. People who fall into this camp would be Robert Gentry or uh, the late R.C. Sproul. There are some who interpret the book of Revelation with the present in mind and see the imagery of the book of Revelation as a picture of the church age, the time between the incarnation and the return of Jesus at the end of the age. Um, Some people who interpret it as a present reality see history moving, as Jesus said, to resemble the time of the flood before Jesus returns to where everybody is is doing what was right in their own eyes. Others that interpret this as a present reality see history moving to a time when the church will be victorious before Jesus returns and there will be a mass conversion around the world. Uh, People who hold to this would be Sinclair Ferguson, Joel Beakey, and John Frame. And finally, those who interpret the book of Revelation with the future in mind see everything from chapter 4-1 to the end of the book being a future reality. Uh, Some see the prophecies as completely future and the church will be spared from the horrors by the rapture. Others see the book of Revelation as a roadmap of church history and try to find where we are within that roadmap. Uh, People who hold to the futurist view would be people like Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins, the the authors of the Left Behind series, John Walverd, Hal Lindsey, and Salem Kerbin, and I also believe John MacArthur. Now, there's one thing to keep in mind. Each of these men that I have listed, whether you agree or disagree with them, love Jesus. Too often we draw the line in the sand over what is orthodox Christianity and liberal Christianity. We draw that line in the sand regarding how the end times will unfold. And 
While it has its root in history, the futurist view grew into its current form within the last 150 years because many of the people that held to the the past and the present view were abandoning true Orthodox Christianity. However, there are many Bible-believing Christians who believe in the deity of Christ, the the sufficiency of Christ for salvation, the 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 utter dependence of, of the sinner upon Jesus for salvation, who will disagree with you on how you view the end times. And that's quite all right. If you want to discuss your view of the end times, uh, uh, dependent upon how I teach this, and I, in, in an essence of full disclosure, I am a present interpreter of the book of Revelation. I, I, I believe and will preach it from the perspective that it is a cycle of seven visions that describe the period of time between the ascension and the return of Christ in a way that shows that even though it is a cyclical uh, view of history, that there is an intensification of suffering for the church uh, between the ascension and the return. One thing I will not do, however, is fight over this. I will discuss, I will discourse, I will lay out my beliefs, but I will not fight over it. My my pat response to somebody who literally wants to draw the line in the sand over their eschatology, it's kind of a funny way to get me out of the, the, the argument, is to say that one of us is wrong. When we find out which one of us that is, neither one of us will care. This will be in the presence of our loving and glorious Savior. So the last introductory issue that I want to cover is the statement in verses 1 and 3 that the time is near that these things must soon take place. One of the things that, that John does heavily in the book of Revelation is rely upon the Old Testament. When I say heavily, I mean heavily. Depending upon which commentator you read, there are between 300 to 500 direct quotes or references to Old Testament scriptures. Some commentators see more quotes and references to Old Testament scriptures in the book of Revelation than there are verses in the book of Revelation in our English Bibles. In today's verses, we have an allusion to some prophecies that Daniel gave to Nebuchadnezzar that we read earlier that in the future, the kingdom of God would show up like a rock that was not hewn or carved by human hands. David said, or Daniel said repeatedly in his words to Nebuchadnezzar, these things will happen in the future. The kingdom of God will come in the future. What does Jesus say in Mark 1.15 and other places? Repent, for the kingdom of God is here or at hand. For the New Testament authors, end times events began in their own day, and while final victory was a future event that began with Jesus, this present future reality reminds us that there is an urgency to these words of Scripture. We must always be ready. Yes, Jesus' return will be sudden, but it could happen any moment, even now. All things are fulfilled and ready. And so while we will cover many of these things again as we study the book of Revelation, so don't worry if you didn't catch something, you're going to hear it again, so it's okay. Stick with me and we will work on them. 
But today, as I said, what we want to do is answer the question, what is the book of Revelation? First, the revelation is a prophecy. Now, the word revelation shows up for us in the second word in our English Bibles of verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. That word revelation is the word that we in English get the word apocalypse from. That's what we tend to think about, isn't it, when we think about the book of Revelation. We think about this apocalyptic destruction of all reality and all the world. But for John, apocalypse merely meant to reveal. John says that God is going to reveal Jesus Christ to his servants through the pages of his book. In my prayer, as I've been preparing for the last year and and as I continue to prepare for this sermon series, my, my prayer for this study is that you will see, that you will find, and that you will grow in love for Jesus as we study this book. And because John opens this book with the word apocalypse, we have a tendency to think of this book in the category of apocalyptic literature, and it does have some characteristics. It focuses upon the conflict of good and evil in the world through the the pictures of angels and demons. It it anticipates an impending divine intervention in human history using symbolic creatures and actions to make its point. However, it does differ from the typical apocalyptic literature in that there are multiple calls for repentance. John doesn't claim to be a famous Old Testament character, and there's a belief throughout the book that the end times and the Messiah are already present. So what category do we place this in? Well, we place it in the category that John does four times throughout the book of Revelation, and that is the word prophecy. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. The main task of the prophet was to call God's people to faithfulness. The Old Testament prophets reminded God's people of his law and their failure to follow that law and then he would call them to repentance. The future telling came into play when the prophet would tell of God's impending judgment or for lack of repentance and God's future restoration through his grace. In chapters 2 and 3, we will see direct calls for repentance and perseverance as Jesus gives his seven messages to the church. And as a whole, the prophetic call of the book of Revelation is to find peace in a chaotic and hostile world, to find peace in the infinite, eternal, and unchanging God who holds history and the lives of his people in his hand. The book of Revelation is a prophecy. Secondly, the book of Revelation is a letter. We'll look at this more in depth, but verses 4 through 6 of Revelation chapter 1 have the structure of an introduction to a letter. Unlike our letters, if you still write letters or emails, instead of signing them at the bottom, the author signs them at the top. And then he gives some type of uh, uh, greeting to the people. And he uses a Pauline greeting here, a, a greeting that Paul uses often. He calls grace and peace upon the people of the church. And a lot of people don't have a problem with the first three chapters of the book of Revelation being a letter. They say, okay, the first three chapters are a letter written to the churches, uh, the seven churches of Asia, which we will expand to, um, uh, uh, to to the whole church. We'll talk about that here later and also throughout the series. But 
this blessing that is given to us in verse three, blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. Show up, at least a portion of that shows up almost word for word at the end of the book. And it reminds us that this is one unified whole. This is one complete letter written to the churches, the churches specifically of Asia and also the church of the world. To whom does he write this letter? As I said, he writes to those seven specific churches that will be listed for us in verses nine and 10. And seven is a symbolic number pointing to completeness. And while we see that, while we see that as a letter written to them and therefore to us, we cannot discount the original audience and their situation. This letter was written to seven specific churches in specific geographical area in a specific time in history. And as Matt Chandler says, as we look and interpret this letter, we can't, this letter cannot mean anything to us that it did not first mean to them. So Revelation is a prophecy. Revelation is a letter. And thirdly, Revelation is a blessing. This book opens with a beatitude. I've read it several times already. I'm going to read it again. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. The idea of blessing in the scriptures, we have to go back to the Old Testament. We have to see how the authors use the words uh, in in context of the Old Testament. And, And blessing is not just materially well off. That's how we think about blessing in our world today, isn't it? We go around and saying, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored, which means I'm not hungry. I've got a roof over my head. I've got a nice car to drive. But blessing is so much more than that. Blessing, it wraps up within it the idea of being happy, the idea of being fulfilled, the idea of being content, and, and the idea of being all of these things, even in the face of trial and hardship. Jesus says in Matthew 5, he gives us a list of beatitudes that you read through last week in the service. And the last one, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for my sake. Blessed are those who suffer for the sake of the gospel. And blessing comes upon people who complete a set of prerequisites. And what are the prerequisites for being blessed here in the book of Revelation? First is that the book must be read. This would likely have referred to the one who carried the letter to the churches and and read it aloud in in the gathering on the first day of the week. How many of you have actually read the book of Revelation? How many of you have a a tendency to just read people who have written about Revelation, but have you actually read it? John says here that you are blessed if you read it. Secondly, the book must be heard. Now, there is blessing in hearing the word of God read, both from the pulpit and in your own life. I would encourage you Um, The next time you you seek to read through the entirety of the book of Revelation, do it out loud. Sometimes we need to hear those word pictures before they begin to make sense and to mesh as a whole within the book. But for the original audience, many of them would have not had the ability to read. So the blessing would have come to them as somebody stood and read the book aloud to them. We take reading aloud for granted. I mean, why listen to the pastor read the word when I can read it for myself? 
Well, because God promises to bless you through the reading aloud of his word. But hearing the word goes beyond just allowing the, 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 the vibrations of the air to, to cause our eardrum and our, and our ear nerve to work and to make us hear things. Hearing involves internalizing. Hearing involves embracing. Hearing involves allowing the word of God through the power of the spirit to change our lives. And that leads us to the third thing which we must do to be blessed, which is to obey or take it to heart. We have a tendency to lose the call of obedience after the end of chapter three. We get so caught up in the imagery, the word pictures, the, 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 the scorpions with horses' tails and human faces, the, the beings floating and praising God around his throne, the, the lamps and the lampstands and the sevenfold spirit and the dragon and, and all of these things. We, we get so caught up in those images, we forget that those Words, those images call us to obedience as well. What are they calling us to obedience to? Well, they're calling us to obedience to repent. They're calling us to obedience to be ready. They're calling us to obedience to stand firm in God's care for his church, even in the midst of horror. We should read and hear the book of Revelation with the intention of obeying it. And John says that those who read, who hear, who obey these words will be blessed by God. Yet this isn't the only beatitude within the book of Revelation. It's the first of seven beatitudes in Revelation 1, 3, in Revelation 14, 13, in Revelation 16, 15, 19, 9, 20, verse 6, 22, 7, and 22, 14, all of these verses declare blessing on the people who fulfill some type of prerequisites. Some who are, 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 some are called blessings for those who overcome and stand firm in the midst of testimony or martyrdom. In 22.14 and 22.7, we are reminded that obedience brings blessing. And this should stop to make us consider the importance of blessing in the book of Revelation. Seven is an important number in the book of Revelation. And seven typically means a picture of wholeness or completeness. Within the book of Revelation, there are seven visions to seven churches encompassing various chunks of seven years revealed by the sevenfold spirit through beasts that have seven eyes and seven horns. And in the midst of all this, the word blessed are those who shows up seven times. Blessing is the overarching theme of the book of Revelation. And that blessing comes regardless of the external circumstances that the church is going through. God will bless his people because they are his and he cares for them. Do you feel blessed when you read the book of Revelation? I have to say I didn't the first couple times I read through it. I had to sit there and say, God, are you sure? Is this a good idea, really? Part of that was my own fear. But part of that was looking at this and going, blessing, really? It's kind of scary. But as you read the book of Revelation, I, I, I hope that my prayer is that you will see 
that you can come to this and you can look at the horrors of history, the horrors that are worked out oftentimes against God's people and say, my great, my God is great and sovereign and will bless me no matter what Satan throws at me. I do believe, though, that our typical response to the book of Revelation is to say, God, get me out of here before all this happens, because there's no way I can be blessed if I have to live through this. Revelation is not a source of fear. Revelation is the blessing of knowing the triune God has his church forever in his hand. And the church can find peace and comfort and strength, even in the midst of the worst that Satan can throw against it. Revelation is a prophecy. Revelation is a letter. And Revelation is a blessing. As I asked you before, when you read the book of Revelation, do you feel blessed? If not, there's at least two things, probably more, but at least two things that you need to consider. First, have you experienced the grace and peace that comes through knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? At the end of the vision of the seven seals, the impending presence of God causes those who have rejected God to cry out for the mountains to fall upon them and hide them from the all-searching eyes of God. At the end of the vision of the bowls and of the trumpets, we hear the declaration from the angel that despite all of the powerful signs that God had given, fallen humanity refuses to repent. Don't be those people. Find the blessing of revelation through the experience of God's grace and peace in turning from your sins and repenting to find life in Jesus. Secondly, if revelation brings you fear rather than blessing, ask yourself the question, if you have found the grace and peace that God offers, ask yourself, is my God big enough? I get it. Revelation The pictures in Revelation are not always the most comforting of God's words. They are meant to bring us to an understanding of what is truly happening behind the scenes in this world. They are meant to show us the picture of the powers and the principalities that are at war with God and with God's people. And those pictures are not always comforting. But understand this, before the disturbing images begin marching across the pages, we are given the glimpse of the triune God, Father, Spirit, and Son, seated upon the throne, ruling and guiding all of history. And nothing happens without him. And in the midst of all of that, the people of God are gathered around the throne, worshiping him. In the midst of all these pictures, the sovereign and unchangeable God seals his people so that they cannot be harmed by the horrors that come upon this church. We get so caught up in the seal that the enemy is going to place upon humanity. We forget that before the enemy seals his people, God has sealed his to protect them from those horrors. Whatever tribulation comes your way, the blessing will come with it. And that blessing is twofold. If the tribulation kills you, you gain heaven. For me to die is gain, 
Paul says. But if you survive, God, the sovereign God of the universe, will sustain you until you do gain heaven. Brothers and sisters, the study of Revelation should not bring fear. It should not be viewed as merely an intellectual exercise. The study of Revelation should bring blessing to those who read, to those who hear, and to those who obey. Let us pray. Our God and Father above, forgive us for forgetting that you sit upon your throne, sovereign, glorified, and in charge of all that happens. We worry about the defeat of the enemy. He has been defeated. We worry about the attacks of his minions. You have sealed and protected us from them. And so, Lord, as we study this book, help us to read, help us to hear, and help us to obey. And remind us that even as we walk through this battle, through this war, we are your sealed and blessed people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please take with me, actually, the insert in your bulletin. We have our closing hymn today is... um, All glory be to Christ. Um, This comes to us uh, with a very familiar tune. It is the tune of Auld Lang Syne. And uh, it comes to us as a reminder that regardless of how the world looks, Christ is glorious and all glory will be given to him. So on your insert, please take and stand and sing with me. All glory be to Christ.
Amen. As you go this week, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance toward you and give you peace. We pray with the saints. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.